It is Thursday night, and you have wandered into the Ozone. With Ronnie O and Coach Joe, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. And Foshi's Jewelers. So you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Man, we are excited to be here tonight. Coach Joe, the Gators took an overtime defeat at Tuscaloosa, narrow game with Alabama. And um, you can hear the Gators Saturday as they take on Vanderbilt and Gainesville, 1 o'clock tip and 12.30 pregame. Then next Wednesday, they take on Missouri at home, 6.30 tip, 6 p.m. pregame on WNN 107.1 FM so or 12.30 a.m. So you can listen to the Gators. You're in the right place, right stations to hear the Gators. Now, if you want to get in touch with us, the number is 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Or if you're technologically inclined, ozone at hallradio.net. Well, Alabama player got suspended for a little extracurricular activity in the, the Gator game, Coach Joe. He was giving them the business. Yeah, as Mindy <laughs> Rudolph used to say. Yeah, during his scrum for the ball. Uh, which player was it for the Gators? Condon, I think. Yeah, it was yeah, Condon. It was Condon. As he was down scrambling for the ball, the Alabama player who was uh, standing ab- above him uh, basically brought the hammer down <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with uh, right on top of his head with the forearm. And it, it, that was blowing up on uh, social media and everything. Is uh, you kept seeing that clip over and over again. People wondering why there why there wasn't a, uh, you know, some sort why he wasn't tossed out of the game, why he wasn't disqualified. And the SEC apparently has agreed. Yeah, they, yeah. They suspended him for for uh, one game, which doesn't sound like a lot, but uh, you know that's kind of the normal normal procedure for that sort of a flagrant foul. Which if it had been called correctly. The Gators would have gotten two shots in the ball, and he would have been disqualified from the game and probably suspended one game. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was, a, it was it was otherwise a really good game. Yeah, Gators um, tied eighty-five all in regulation and just couldn't pull it off in overtime. And um, it, it was quite an effort. I mean, there's no moral victories, but hopefully it'll stand them in good stead that they were able to hang that close with Alabama. Today is Julius Irving, Dr. J's birthday, born in 1950. Also, Charles O. Finley. Remember Charlie Finley? Oh, sure. Owner of the A's? Absolutely. The swinging A's, man, they were so good back then. You know, if they had been the Yankees, they would be recognized as one of the greatest teams of all time. But they're not. And they won three straight World Series, 72 to 74. And they beat the Big Red Machine in one of those World Series, and uh, they beat a really good Dodgers team in 74. So I don't think that, you know, those teams were so good. My gosh, Reggie Jackson, Catfish Hunter, Joe Rudy, Burt Campanaris, Vita Blue. Man, they were loaded. Ken Holtzman. Yeah, Raleigh Fingers, maybe you mentioned him. That's right. Name. Yeah, he, they're, they're pitching, they're hitting. They they were an incredible team. Three straight world championships, and they did made it to the playoffs. The Sal Bando's another one. Sal Bando, right, yeah. Yeah. Just up and down that lineup, there were so many good players on those A's teams. Uh, and there, uh, I don't know that it's happened since in about winning three in a row. No, like no that. one else has. No, I, I think, uh, yeah, maybe the Yankees did in 98 through 2000. I think it was the, the did last time. Did they win three or they win they, two? They, they won four out of five. Yeah, that yeah, might so be. So right. that, was, that was the last time. And, and, you know, after the A's were done, 
in with their last World Series victory over the Dodgers in 1974, although they did win again in 1989 when, uh, as far as the A's winning another title. But in the 70s, after that, is when the Yankees got good, and they still get all the attention. You know, yeah. if you if you hear about Reggie Jackson, you you'll never realize that he played for the A's because right. it's always about that. And that's who drafted him. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that's where he became the great player that he was, and that's where he won three straight world titles. And if he was going to be called Mister October, it was he started there. <laughs> but all exactly. you ever hear about is uh, the big hits he had in 1977, and again in '78. Exactly. But, well, I tell you what, we're going to go ahead. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to have Dave Falcone on with us, a former Florida Gator baseball player, one of the best. But he was an outstanding minor league player who's got a great story about Randy, the big unit, Johnson. And he's going to tell us that story and a lot more when we come back. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Once again, you are in the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. The Ozone is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors and Foshi Jewelers. The phone is Dave Falcone, former Florida Gator, fifth-round choice of the Baltimore Orioles in 1981. And for the Florida Gators in 1980, Dave, you hit 365. That's still one of the top batting average ever in the history of Florida baseball. We're so glad to have you with us in the Ozone. Well, thanks for... Thanks for thinking about me. It's been a long time. It's 43 years. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, you make me feel really, really <laughs> old. Man, I'll tell you what, you played for a great coach, though. Jay Bergman was your coach for the Gators back then, correct? Yeah, Jay won a lot of games. I think he won more games at University of Central Florida than he did at Florida. But, yeah, he won a lot of games. I'm not sure if he was inducted to the Hall of Fame or not, but – I know he was way up there in the number of games won as a career. Dave, um, one of the things that when we were talking, you have a very interesting story about a little incident you had with none other than Randy Johnson, the big unit in the minor leagues. Tell that story, if you will. Well, uh, like I told you the other night, it was it was we played against each other in Double A, and uh, I think I faced him like four times. But this one particular night was in Jacksonville, and I played in Charlotte. He was in Jacksonville. And a lot of my friends had come up from Ocala to watch the game. And one of my buddies from Tampa came up to watch. And um, so my first at bat, because, you know, I'm left-handed. He's throwing 98 from the left side at 6'10". It's a little tough if you remember the All-Star game. <laughs> um <laughs> It was not easy to get in there and just, you know, dig in. So, anyway, my first at-bat, I don't really remember how it happened, but there was a guy on third, less than two outs, and I'm, you know, always trying to get RBIs because I was a cleanup hitter, and I said, well, if I can just push a bunt um, down the first base side, I can drive in the run. I won't get in that bat. You know, just a sack. I'll be happy to get an RBI. So I did the first time up, I pushed the butt. Randy didn't get off the mound. I beat it out and I got a base hit. So uh, no, no harm, no foul. Right. So Anyway, the next time I come up, I don't know, third, fourth inning, same exact situation. Got on third, less than two outs. I said, well, heck, I'll just push your butt. 
and uh, and I'll get me an RBI. And so I did. And I this time around, uh, Randy wasn't happy about me not swinging the bat, <laughs> and he made some comments to me as he covered first. Of course, I can't say it on on the radio, but he made some mention of me and my mother having relations. <laughs> and uh, so, anyhow, um, if you know baseball, like you know, he's a left-handed pitcher, so he would one look home and then go. So I'm 6'2", I weigh 220 pounds. I don't steal a lot of bases. So he <laughs> one look goes home, I steal second base. Uh-oh. <laughs> which prompted him to walk out and rub up his, the ball and say some more things about my mom and I <laughs> and other things I can't mention, which prompted me to make sure that my cup was in the perfect position <laughs> out there at second base. Does that make sense? Yeah, and so you're off his Christmas card list too, right? Right, right. So <laughs> made a quick adjustment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because I think it got out of place when I stole second. So anyhow, then a couple pitches later, I noticed he's going one look to second, home, one look to second. So as soon as his head turned toward the plate, I took third base. And like I said, two base, stolen bases in one game, probably one-fourth of my stolen bases for the year. So... <laughs> This prompted some more stuff. And um, anyway, he gets pulled out of the game before I get up my next time up. And my next time up, they had brought in a right-hander. And I was telling you, I hit a home run over the scoreboard in Jacksonville Stadium, which is 412 to center, and the scoreboard sits way above it. It's the longest home run I ever hit in my minor league career (laughs) that I can figure. And um, I watched it a while dropped the bat, <laughs> and uh, made my way around. My buddies were all making fun of me the first two at-bats because I was bunting, and they'd all said, you know, we're not up here to watch you bunt. And I said, well, why don't you get out there and face the guy that was 98? And then when I hit the home run, they were going crazy and whatnot. You know, you know how it goes. Oh, yeah. So anyway, about three weeks later, we're, we're playing at our park. That was at their park. Then we're at our park. And um, Randy's pitching, nothing happens. I pop up or strike out. I don't really remember, but I was 0 for 2. I know that much. And my buddy, Tommy Dodd, hits a three-run homer to make it 5 nothing in about the fifth inning. And they come out to take Randy out, and he points at the pitching coach with his finger, one more hitter, which is me. <laughs> And I know I'm getting beat. We know that. That's the way it was back then. Oh, yeah. You, know, right? you don't have to be the assistant manager of the Jiffy Lube to figure that one out, do you? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> you know it, right? And that was all, it was all good back then. Now it's all verbose. But anyway, so I stepped in the box with one foot, and I politely told the catcher that keep your glove down because I'm left-handed. I said keep your glove down because if Randy throws one up and hits me in the head, and somehow I get off the ground, I'm going to hit him with my bat first and then go after Randy. <laughs> and the catcher, of course, gets up, and we jaw each other, and the umpire gets between us. But being a nice guy, Randy hit me in the back, okay, oh. right in the middle of the back, and I dropped to my knees. It took a minute to get up, but by the time I got up, the benches had cleared, and Randy's coming off the mound, and the coaches are out there. 
So I just jogged on down to first. And, and you know, we didn't talk. He got taken out of the game. That was it. Oh, so man. Two weeks later, we're in the same all-star team, all-star team, on the same team. And just as a joke, the manager of the Greenville Braves puts our lockers right beside each other because <laughs> he had heard. And uh, Randy comes up to me after batting practice and says, hey, man, I'm sorry about that one in the back. And I looked up and I said, it's okay. It's, I understand it's part of the game. And I also said, hey, man, you're the first person in my five-year career that I've had to look up to to talk to. <laughs> I'm six three, seven inches taller, man. Oh but, man, uh, it, it, it you know it hurt, but I I got video of getting beamed by him. By the way, somewhere on a VHS, somewhere buried in my house. Oh man, I'd love to see that. Well, um, you know, you talked about that home run in 1981 in the South Regionals down in Coral Gables. You had a very important three-run home run to tie Middle Tennessee. What do you remember about that home run? Yeah, yeah, that's I do remember that. We were playing um in we were in the semifinals. So if we win, we play Miami in the finals. And um they had a lefty going all day. And I don't know if I had any hits. I I don't think I struck. I, I wasn't embarrassing myself if you get my drift. And they pulled the lefty out to pitch the guy in front of me to get a double play, and he hit the perfect double play ball, okay? And the guy bobbled it, and they didn't get the double play, put first and second on, and they left the righty in to pitch to me. <laughs> and I hit a three-run homer with two outs to tie the game in the ninth, and uh, we went on to win, and then we went to play in the finals, and back in those days, there was a guy named Neil Heaton. I don't know if you ever heard oh, of him. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. Now, wait, wait yeah. a minute. Didn't y'all eliminate FSU before you played in the finals? Yeah. I, I just had to FSU. mention that. I'm yeah. not a big FSU <laughs> fan, as you might imagine. Yeah, yeah. so we beat <laughs> FSU, and then Neil Heaton uh, pitches the last game against us. And uh, I, I, we lost. All I can tell you is this, and I'm not trying to – same thing, but I had the home run record and the career record and the RBI record. I had all these things, but what I remember is my last at-bat in college, down in the regional, I struck out. Ah, well. So, and I told my kids as a coach, you know, you're not defined by one play or one shot or one whatever. But my last at bat, I was not successful. Does that make, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, um, exactly. Now, we wouldn't have been in that game had it not been for the three-run homer, but you don't think about that at the time. You know, I was so, I was so dejected. But, um, but as I got older, I realized that we had gone farther than anybody in, at Florida at that time, baseball-wise. We'd never been to a College World Series, and we got so close. And I was part of that, you know. But oh, exactly. for a long time I said, man, I struck out with a chance to go to the College World Series. But you can't do it every time. You know, Nobody can. You know, it's, it's just part of life, right? We're, we're talking tonight with Dave Falcone, former great Gators baseball player. Had a career uh, in the Baltimore Orioles organization. Now, that game we were just talking about against Middle Tennessee State occurred down in Miami. And uh, I noticed 
uh, Dave, that you played for the Bluefield Orioles, the Hagerstown Suns, uh, Charlotte Orioles, and the Rochester Red Wings, but I don't see anywhere about playing for the Miami Orioles. That never happened. No. <laughs> um, back then, they had um, two A-ball teams. And the Florida State League, um, I, didn't get to, I didn't get to play in, and which is probably a good thing because the ballparks are really big, and I'm a home run hitter. So um, <laughs> Hagerstown was a much smaller park, which helped me. But, uh, yeah, I got my first year in rookie league. I, I really didn't know why I was there because most of them were high school kids. But I wound up in Hagerstown at the end of the year, and we won the Carolina League that year. I was there for the last, like, 10 games and then the playoffs. So I got a little of that, a little ring there. And then my second year, in the, um, I broke my wrist in spring training. I got a foul tip. I was a catcher. So I I had to start end of the year, and then I went up to Hagerstown for the last half of the year and uh, had a really good year. And then I went to double-A and I went to triple-A. You do what you – you know, I did the progression, you say. And then I got behind Eddie Murray, and I wasn't going anywhere. Oh, man. Yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess you you didn't get the opportunity to play in the – uh, memorable Miami Stadium, which uh, which is a shame. But uh, did you ever rub elbows some, uh, maybe in spring training with Earl Weaver? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, my um, my roommate and one of my good buddies was Billy Ripken. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when 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 Earl was there, we'd go up and play like the minor leagues. We'd go play them in the stadium, and uh, so we got to play them in spring training all the time. They took some of the guys, you know the. I don't want to say top prospect because that would be saying I'm a pro, but I was a prospect, I guess. I was a fifth round pick. And I got to go over there and play. I got beamed by some of the best. Mike Flanagan <laughs> hit me twice. Oh, um, man. Uh, got to face Jim Palmer. Wow. And uh, just watch how they go about their business. Eddie Murray was, you know, just, he was unbelievable. Dave, uh, we're, up, we're up against was. a break. We're um, we're going to have about a three-minute break. Do you have time to come back for a second segment? If you need me, I'm here. Okay. If you don't mind hanging on, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in about three minutes. And okay. uh, we'd love to hear more about your Orioles career. You're listening sure. to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Welcome back into the Ozone. You're here with Coach Joe, Ronnie O. It's Thursday night. The Ozone. It's brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors and Foshi Jewelers. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone with our guest Dave Falcone, former Florida Gator, and also a fifth-round choice of the Baltimore Orioles. You mentioned Earl Weaver, Dave. Um, you got any Earl Weaver stories for you? My favorite baseball story, I think, is Earl Weaver. Jim Palmer giving up like eight runs in three innings, and Palmer goes out to the mound to take him out of the game, and Palmer says, what are you doing out here? I'm not tired. He says, yeah, I know, but the outfielders are. (laughs) Uh, You got any Earl Weaver stories for us? I don't have a lot, but I have one good story. And uh, when Cal came up, right, when Calvin came up, Cal Jr., they're always working on shortening your swings, contact, contact, contact. And – you know, Earl was a pitching and three-run homer type of manager, right? <laughs> yeah. And no matter what they told Cal about shortening swing, shortening swing, shortening swing, the hitting coaches, 
Earl would be on the top step yelling, uppercut, uppercut. <laughs> Wanting to hit a home run, man. Oh, but, man. Uh, yeah, that's what my buddies told me up there. They said all he wanted you to do was hit home runs and uh, and and pitch. You know, that, that was his, his theory. So, well, Dave, it worked. Well, Dave, when you weren't bunting, you were you were a pretty good home run hitter too. Uh, you know, I I brought up Miami Stadium earlier. It's this uh, incredible old ancient park uh, down in in downtown down there. But uh, what, what's your favorite place to hit during the years you played? Well, um, I definitely didn't like Chattanooga because it was a square and it was four hundred and eighty five feet to dead center. Wow! So that was Death <laughs> Valley, but. Um, there were some ballparks that were – Florida State was a good ballpark when I was in college because it was only like 295 down the right field line. Um, and um, But in, in, uh, the, in the minor leagues, I will say this, and I have to say this because I'm going to tell you this story. Uh, and there was a, a ballpark in Salem, Virginia – just outside of Roanoke, Virginia. I don't know if you know where that, you, you know where Roanoke yes. is, but Salem. So in 1982, when I was in A ball, my last game in Salem, I hit three home runs. Wow. Okay. Well, I left. You know, I went to Double A. In 1985, I blew up my knee in Triple A and had surgery. Um, injured again in the off season, had another surgery. So at 86, I went back to a ball cause it's Hagerstown's right by, um, Baltimore. So they sent me back there just to get some at bats. So I'd be near the team doctor. So my first game back to Salem in 86, I had three home runs, man. Ooh. Well, you so mentioned the guy the... that wrote for the paper wrote this really cool article, and I have it in a scrapbook somewhere, how I hit back-to-back three home run games four years apart. Wow. Now, you mentioned that you were catching some. Was that an attempt to get your bat moving up the system and get away from Eddie Murray at first base? It was. It was um, when, I first, when I was in at Florida my first year as a catcher, um, and then I moved up to first base. But then when I got in the minor leagues, I was always a backup. Like if I if we had two good catchers, I was the third catcher, or I was the backup catcher wherever. And then in '85, when I blew up my knee, I was the backup catcher, and I went spent time in big league camp catching all the pitchers. You know, uh, like I said, Flanagan and Palmer and all these guys to get ready in case. The guy that was behind Rick Dempsey, Joe Nolan, hurt his knee because he had a bad knee. Joe Nolan had a bad knee. So I spent all of spring training working with the big league pitchers as a backup catcher uh, just in case. I was in AAA. And about three weeks before Joe Nolan blew out his knee in a play at the plate, I blew up my knee and I was already in surgery. And I sat there watching the game on TV with my leg in a cast. And, oh, man. And I realized that who knew if I was ever going to play again or whatever, and I realized my one chance right then was was pass me by. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You know, I wanted to ask you about you coached high school 
in Ocala, at Ocala Forest. And um, talk a little bit about what it's like to be a high school coach. I know a lot of times you run into kids that maybe are from a bad home environment. You might be the only positive male role model they see. Talk a little bit about the role of a high school coach. Did you coach baseball and football? Well, my, when I got to Forest, the guy that was the football coach that um, Kevin played for, he asked me, do you, I was at middle school, and he said, Dave, you want to come to high school and coach football? And I said, look, man, I'm a base, you know, I'm a baseball player. And he goes, yeah, well, we'll teach you what you need to know. And I said, okay. So to get into high school, I did. And I coached football for years. They didn't need anybody to coach baseball, but I did go out there and work with the hitters just on a voluntary basis. But as a as a high school coach, you're right, man. We have a lot of kids. We have a lot of really good kids that don't have the best parents. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Then we have some not-so-good kids that have really good parents. <laughs> but... It's the ones that, you know, I remember, especially at the lower, like a JV and freshman level, you know, the game would be over and we'd be back at the ballpark and it's 10 or 11 o'clock and the parents haven't come pick them up yet. And you got to take them home. And I remember taking them home, making sure they get something to eat. And, and it's just because I had two parents and you probably had two parents. Yes. And my parents went to everything. You know, my dad and mom, they had a little restaurant. They shut down the restaurant to go watch my games. And, you know, and and it was sad to see these kids that are playing so hard and working so hard and their parents don't even come watch them, you know. And, and I just, I don't know. I didn't really grasp all that because when I was a baseball player, I'd never been through all that because the guys that played with me, the kids that play with me, their parents were all like, you know, supportive and they'd come to watch them when we were near wherever their home was. Um, and then when I got to be a coach, you just see a whole different part of life and a different part of society of people that, you know, are not, I don't know how you say it. They're not supportive of one another, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I know exactly yeah, what you're yeah, talking absolutely. about. Dave, we and, got. Uh, uh, oh, I was just going to say, we got time uh, for one more question for you. We really appreciate you being on the show tonight. Uh, you, you know, uh, it was 1987 is when you uh, stopped playing baseball. What was it like making that decision, and uh, how did you make the adjustment? I'm always curious about that when, when you've done something like that your whole life, making that adjustment. You want me to be perfectly honest? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what, this is a safe space, Dave. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> No, seriously, man, this is a hard one because when I got a baseball, I was very depressed, really depressed. I, it was something I'd worked so hard to be some, this person and all of a sudden it's gone. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I was living in Tampa and my, one of my best friends was the head coach at university of South Florida. Um, Eddie Cartieri. Yeah, you played with his son, didn't you? Right, I played with Ronnie. Yeah. Eddie was our grad assistant when my first year there. So I'd go out all the games and I'd help coach and stuff. And I was telling Eddie. And one day I was at the game watching him. And Eddie introduced me to a guy that was a psychologist. Got about one minute. 
Got about okay. one minute left. So he's a psychologist or whatever you want to call it. And I told him how depressed and how bad I felt. And he said, Dave, it's normal. He said, I, we're living in, we're in Tampa. He said, we have a Air Force base here. We have all these cap, people that are retired military, captains, generals, at whatever. You know what I mean? And when they retired, they used to be somebody. They used to be special. People saluted them. You know, they were somebody. And now you're just everybody else. You go to the grocery store and nobody's asking for your autograph. And <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, David. And I said, thank you. Because I thought of myself as a failure because I didn't make the major league. Well, sure. And the guy said, well, you were the starting player in, the, in AAA, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, so you were one of the top 50 or 100 players, people at your position one time in your life. Exactly. You're not a failure. Dave, and unfortunately, really we're, we're, um, we're out of time. But thank you so much for your time tonight. Really appreciate it. And um I'm going to have to thank Kevin Martin for putting me in touch with you. And uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on with us tonight. All right. Well, listen, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I hope it helped. Oh, it was outstanding. Awesome, Dave. Thank you so much. Dave Falcone, former Florida Gator, former farmhand with the Baltimore Orioles, fifth-round draft choice of them. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Once again, you have wandered into the Ozone. Actually, you were here the whole time, but you knew that. With Ronnie O, Coach Joe, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors and Foshi Jewelers. All right. Thank you so much, Tim. You've done a great job tonight. Well, I know right now you're waiting. You cannot wait. You want to hear that sports quiz. If you haven't won in the last six months, you know what to do. Call us at 682-1430. That's 682-1430 if you know the answer and you haven't won in the last six months. We will send you out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House on the south side, and you can eat and drink what you want. Take $30 off the tab while you're watching those 40 strategically located television sets. You can eat and drink all you want because I tell you what, there's meal and drink specials they have every night. My goodness, you can't go wrong there. I think tonight might be prime rib night, Coach Joe. Oh, Thursday. Yeah, prime rib is excellent there. Yeah. And I think you can get it again on Sundays, if I remember right. Although sometimes that changes because they have lots of different drinking meal specials. Oh, so yeah. always, always uh, oh, yeah. check, check with them. Yeah. All right. Here you go. Well, we were talking to Dave Falcone, a former Baltimore Orioles draft choice. And here you go. When was the last time that the Baltimore Orioles won the American League East pennant? Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. The last time the Baltimore Orioles won the American League East. So 682-1430. That's 682-1430. All you got to do is look that one up and uh, call us and uh, – wasn't that far that long ago? Well, no, it wasn't. If you don't remember, you can look it up quickly because we did to make sure oh, yeah. that we had this answer correct. But but we did. You know, the, the Orioles have a, a long and storied history, but they also had a long period of time where they weren't so good. Yeah, so exactly. We're uh, uh, And they're better now, and, and we've got to watch out for them. If you're a Rays fan, you got to watch out for those Orioles this year for sure. Uh, but if you uh, have been following baseball the last uh, eh, few years, you should know the there answer to go. this. It's not a hard question. Who 
or when was the last time the you know, who the Orioles when the last time they won the American League East six eight two fourteen thirty that's six eight two fourteen thirty and today is Sparky Anderson's birthday he passed away in twenty ten but he's a Hall of Fame baseball manager won the World Series in seventy five seventy six with the Reds and in nineteen eighty four. He won with the Detroit Tigers. Man, they got off to like a 35-2 and two start or something like that and never looked back. Yeah, Sparky was a great manager, and that was a powerful team. You know what also happened this date in history, Ronnie? It's the 44th anniversary. Do you believe in miracles? Oh, that's right. One yeah, that greatest... was one of the things that I had coming up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, knew you, okay. I knew you were all over that. It's sorry, okay. to, yeah. <laughs> sorry to jump the gun, but that, uh, I've always said, is the greatest sports moment in my lifetime. Oh, I'll tell you what, yeah. that was so exciting. I didn't actually watch it. Um, I remember watching later and being so excited about it. Well, we got a caller online. He's hungry and thirsty. Who have we got with us? John. John, you hungry and thirsty? Yeah. All right. When's the last time the Baltimore Orioles won the American League East? 23. Yeah, exactly yeah, last right. Last year. There yeah. you go. Defending American League East champs. You like the Orioles, John? I like the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> oh, yeah. Were well, you excited Chris Sale's going to be pitching for the Braves this year? Who? Chris Sale. Um, yeah. Lakeland, Lakeland kid. Uh, saw his dad at the Florida Southern basketball game last night. So um, the Braves ought to be pretty darn good this year, huh? They say they're supposed to win it all. <laughs> yeah, well, they could. That guy Ron, Ronald Acuna Jr. Boy, yeah. I, yeah, I, I'd love him if I were a Braves fan. <laughs> oh, no doubt. But uh, otherwise, yeah, he is such a good hitter. You John, ever watch him. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> too, we see too much of him. Sometimes, yeah. man, he can hit bombs. He, uh, he's got speed. He's got I everything. At the, at the uh, Trust Field. Oh, man. Well, John, hang on the line, and um, Tim will get your information, and uh, we'll send it out to the Ale House, and you can go out there and eat and drink what you want. Take $30 off the tab. You have 30 days to claim that. So make sure you get out there, and you can go as early as tomorrow at lunch. We'll send it out tonight, okay? Okay. All right. Congratulations. On this, it's also the birthday of Tommy Aaron, former Florida Gator golfer, and he won the Masters. And what year, Coach Joe? Nineteen seventy-three. Coach Joe knows all of those, man. <laughs> I tell you what, that's amazing. He was actually born in Gainesville, Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. 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 How about that? Now, here's another one you might not remember. One of the hardest throwing pitchers ever, Steve Barber. Do you remember him? You might be a little too young to remember him. He pitched for the Orioles, and had a short major league career. Also pitched for the Yankees. For a little while. It seems but, like I've heard that name yeah. be- before. You know one thing about Tommy Aaron, uh, Ronnie? Uh, What's that? A lot of people don't realize this. Remember the famous 1968 Masters where uh, Bob Golby ends up winning when Roberto yeah. DiVincenzo uh, signs the incorrect scorecard? The guy he was playing with was Tommy Aaron. It was Tommy Aaron who wrote the wrong—because the golfers, when they play, they keep each other's score, and then they hand it to yeah. them afterwards— and he's the one who wrote the wrong score down <laughs> on that 17th hole. And and DiVincenzo, that didn't check it closely enough, signed it, ended up 
uh, losing by one stroke to Bob Goldby instead of being tied with him. Uh, I guess he probably said caramba, huh? <laughs> oh, it's muy mal. His, his exact words were, oh, what a stupid I am. Uh, I remember that. <laughs> well, it's yeah. interesting because, you know, you rarely hear about it, but Jordan Spieth last week in Los Angeles got disqualified for signing an incorrect scorecard. I am made, that's a lot of money, those guys, for, for making an a, a accounting error yeah. <laughs> after the round is over. It's a well, weird now, quirk that pops up from time to time. One of the first football games I ever went to was the very first Iron Bowl back in 1893. And back then, <laughs> Auburn beat Alabama 32-22. Now, things have changed. You know you said series. 1893. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, oh, I know. I know. Um, Alabama leads that series 50 50- Thirty-seven. They had the forward passing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Leather helmets and oh man, can you imagine that? And back in 1959, the very first Daytona 500, Lee Petty and Johnny Bochamp crossed the finish line side by side. Bochamp was declared the unofficial winner, and they later said, "Nope." Bill France Sr. said Lee Petty is the winner of the very first. Yeah, you know, and they raced. On the beach, yeah, they a, did. That part, was part of the track. Part of the track, yeah. There wasn't a big, uh, uh, you know, speedway or anything. They just they, they set out a, a course, and a big part of that was along the beach. It, it was, and you know, they used to drive the car they were going to race to the racetrack. <laughs> I actually got to meet one of my neighbors was from South Carolina, and his cousin or somebody built engines for Cale Yarborough. And before the Daytona Five Hundred, Cale Yarborough. Um, came to our neighborhood, and I got to meet him. He wasn't a big name then, but I remember thinking, golly, that guy looks strong. Because he was like an all-state fullback. He was a great football player in South Carolina, and uh, what a nice guy he was. Yeah, you know, back in those days, or in the original stock car days, they basically looked like a car you'd see on the road. Yeah. They, they weren't like those open-wheel racers, you know, yeah. which were, or the funny cars or anything. They looked like regular cars. Nowadays, they look like race cars. But yeah. uh, it's always interesting if you see some footage from 70s or earlier, <laughs> it looks like somebody's, you know, family car driving along the track. It was. There. Yeah. It, well, I mean, it might not have the same engine in it. Guys like Smokey Eunuch and some of those guys that had been running moonshine up in the Carolinas, <laughs> it altered them a little bit. Uh, on this date in 1962, a guy named Wilt Chamberlain, you may have heard of, set an NBA record with 34 free throw attempts, attempts, and he made 19 of them. How about that? That was a good night for him. Yeah, making, it was. Making more than 50%. And as you so astutely pointed out, the miracle on ice happened in 1980. Man, I, to me, I think the most exciting sporting event in my lifetime was, I think it was March 8th, 1971, when Joe Frazier beat Ali, and that was, man, that was a really anticipated. Both of them undefeated, both of them heavyweight champions, and, uh, man, that was one of the most exciting sporting events. I think it was the most exciting sporting event I've ever seen. Well, you know, back then, uh, a good big boxing match, especially a heavyweight yeah. match, was a big event, and, and that included also boxing in the Olympics was a big yeah. deal, too, you know, it, through 1976 and Maybe by 1980, I guess, with the uh, the boycott. I, even in the 80s, though, with Evander Holyfield and some other guys who were, who were great Olympic boxers before they became pros, nowadays it's barely covered at all. But that, yeah. used, to be, that used to be amazing. But now boxing, it's, uh, it's not quite at all what it used to be. It's, it, no, you know, I really think that they, they ruined it. You know, when you had the same promoter that had both fighters and 
you know, there'd be all these controversial decisions in a rematch, which making a lot of money. You're like, uh, I don't know about that, Mr. Don King. But worry about the NBA All Star Game becoming something like that. It, that oh, became yeah. kind of a farce in that last uh, game last week. Two hundred and eleven points by the East. Oh my gosh! <laughs> they all won, right. by the way. <laughs> You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. And uh, we have had a good time tonight. Dave Falcone was a great guest. We had so much fun with him. We'll be back next week. We'll have another quality guest for you. Or maybe we'll just make some stuff up and talk about it. How about that?